Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Our friends at Isotope have just made their portable recording solution, the Spire Studio, even better. And the best part is that you can try out the app and recording platform for Spire completely free. Download the iOS app for your phone or tablet today by following links in the description of this podcast and make sketching down your song ideas incredibly easy and intuitive. Without the Spire, you won't have the mic or preamp, but you'll still have access to the software and effects that can polish your demo recordings more than you probably thought possible. The second-generation Spire Studio ups the stakes by offering ultra-low noise preamps that offer smooth, quieter recording and increased storage capacity. There's also Spire Pro, an optional subscription service accessed via the iOS app, and personalized soundtrack feature that listens and learns from your voice and environment. Check them out at isotope.com. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. Season 2, episode 15. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by J.D. Short. Hey, that's me. And Naomi McLeod. Also me. Exactly. (laughs) That's right, dear listeners. So, as I did mention, uh, shortly before we recorded this episode, a couple of days ago when this is coming out, that we were doing a bit of a bass special. Um, I think Jay's off in hospital or something, having some routine operation. I don't know if he wanted me to tell people that. No, it doesn't matter. It's been done now. And uh, and Matt, um, I'm just giving Matt the day off because, you know, he's always here. Mark Packham, I haven't heard from in some time, but I thought, you know, what a great excuse to do a bass special and actually get the the good old bass team back on the podcast because people keep asking about it, and I, I haven't, I hadn't, we haven't done a series yet this year. Stuff keeps getting in the way, and also there was quite a lot of cool bass stuff that we'd all been doing over the over the last little while, so it made sense to do a a bass episode. But it's lovely to have you both back. On a base episode. Great to be back. Yeah. Yeah, as a wise man once said, gang, Mm. gang. Exactly. As as they did. I agree. I agree. (laughs) It was it was some sort of hip hop. Everyone's Googling at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) Pull pull over (laughs) if anyone's driving. Um, before we get into things, I just wanted to welcome, well, welcome back. Aaron Sherman joins us on our Patreon at the top tier. He's now going to be part of the Patreon song. 
Thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate that. I have a very busy week and it would have been great this week if I could have just rolled out last week's song again. But no, I've now got to record a new one. So uh, so thank you very much, Aaron. And, and dear listener, if you want to check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. There are loads of ways that you can join it at several different tiers that get you different perks. Um, and, you know, you get access to our whole back catalogue as well as the silly songs and stuff like that. So I'm going to do some more Patreon-based mini-series later this year. Um, I haven't done so many of them recently, and we're, gonna, we're going to correct that. So, you know, thank you for for supporting us, Aaron, and the rest of our patrons. Um but yeah, to talk about bass stuff then, first of all, I mean, I posted it on the uh, Facebook group, uh, facebook.com oh, yeah. forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds group. I bought a new bass, which is not unusual, but yeah, the so bass nice. I bought, the bass I bought was pretty cool. So I got a, a Jay Douglas Blunderbird. He's a, he's a, a, a custom shop from Leeds where, where Naomi uh, resides from Leeds, Leeds in Yorkshire. <laughs> Um, and actually, as it, as it really funny, John John Douglas, Jay Douglas guitars. Turns out his his girlfriend is a girl that I went to university with. Uh, oh, small really, world! Yeah, really, really random. But um, but yes, I I, uh, I I did mention this on the podcast a, a few weeks ago. But as a recap, I was kind of flicking through reverb as you do and i was like oh i just i want something new i want something new i want i don't want to spend more than say 650 pounds what's short scale 600 you know around that sort of 500 to 650 pounds and i'm just scrolling through um reverb of course those reverb lists are a lot shorter these days as a you know we can't really get any stuff over from mainland europe so i'm just looking at kind of uk things and i come across a a, a handful of very affordable custom shops by j douglas guitars and they were so affordable because they were prototypes a pair of blunderbirds and uh and one other um instrument which i can't remember what he called it was uh it was more of a, a rickenbacker-esque uh, a full 003 style thing but they were very much the prototypes as he was moving towards what his end result was going to be and the blunderbird i just absolutely loved kind of a, a double cut les paul with sort of larger um almost mostrite-esque horns um and a single a big sort of heavily bolted single coil pickup bang in the middle of the body a 32 inch scale through neck construction um i mean it, it it sounds basically like a custom shop you would just get you know like if you were just having your dream specs anyway i so. know i know that that was that was really the thing for me i was like I, there isn't a lot i do differently like i love sort of les paul-esque shapes and you know gibson don't really do anything that's great for bass players with that shape I'd, exactly where I put a pickup, exactly the type of pickup I'd have. Everything about it was fantastic. Even the headstock looks cool, like a really good sort of comfortable, modern, its own style. But like, you know, you, you know what I hate is when you get those, uh, I hate headstocks that go in and they all, they all do it, they say, so that the strings can run straight. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care about the strings running straight. That's not a thing that anyone struggled with 
No one struggled with that in, in the 60s and the 70s when music was good. I don't know why it's a thing now, but, you know, then it's fine. He's gone for a good headstock where he's not worried about that sort of thing. It's more traditional than anything else. But, uh, but yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think? It's across the board a stunning bass. I'm, what I'm loving, and maybe you guys can tell me a bit more about this, but for the price point, I feel like binding is a really nice appointment to have on there. Um, yeah, the wood grain, the, yeah, pretty, I mean, all the appointments. I think I may have said when we spoke about it before, but the, the Gibson S knobs, I think, are such a nice touch. Um, yeah. Did you get to hear it or anything before you bought it? He was actually very good. He had a, a little video up on the reverb listing of him oh, playing cool. that. And actually, mm-hmm. that's kind of almost what sold it to me. Uh, I yeah. mean, he it looked like he was just going through a little 10-watt PV amp behind him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of almost from an aesthetic thing. Like, you could see how the instrument sat on him and everything. And it was mm. it looked great. And, and it sounded cool. And, it you know, it just... Uh, it's it sounds fantastic like for a single the the single coil's great there's a bit of an earthing issue on it to be honest when when i got it but i've sorted that out so it's uh, yeah it, it it sounds absolutely fantastic now the the thing that's very good for me is it sounds very similar to my 77 music master with the mcnelly pickup in the middle okay like mm. volume wise tonality they're not they're not massively different it's a bit it's a bit shinier, a bit twinklier, the um, the Jay Douglas, but not a million miles off. I was kind of expecting to uh, have to like uh, preset different, uh, you know, different compression and volume things on my pedal board for the different instruments, but I, I can actually get away with the same set of presets with the with the Jay Douglas. Cool. Um, it must be nice having something so similar sounding at a different kind of scale length. And I'm ge- I mean, I'm guessing a different neck profile, like do yeah. the two differ in terms yeah. of playability. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the Jay Douglas has gone for much more of a Gibson profile. So it is yeah. thicker, heavier. It's, it's, it's not, it's not too much. I don't, it doesn't feel like a fifties P bass, P esque mm. thing, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's deep and rounded, which is, which is good, which is kind of what I would like in a neck anyway. And and honestly, this kind of got me on an aesthetic thing, like a custom shop for £650. I, yeah. I was kind of like, it doesn't matter. No, nothing matters. Mm. This is fine. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the thing for me that is like really standing out is that like one, it, it gives you that like unique factor in that you, you're not, you know, if you you know like on on the road you're not going to run into many people playing the same bass which is cool um but it also like looks very familiar and at home even though i've never seen anything like it really you know it's, like i've never seen like this combination of things on a bass before but it's also like yeah i feel like i have seen it a thousand times and it just feels right yeah it's a real line to tread that isn't it the yeah. uh, sort of uh how do you how do you reinvent classic looks? You know that's a, a tough thing to do well because it's fine to make something modern, very easy to do that. You know mm. you just make a weird shape, but to mm. keep to keep to touch the base of all the of everything that's come before, but still have your own unique spin on it is uh, is tricky. Like how do you do that without this? Could have just looked like a Gibson, but you know, with a yeah, different name on yeah. the headstock, but he's given it enough of his own edge, I think. Yeah, it. I mean, it definitely feels like, you know, when you, you kind of look at it, it looks 
I, I'm throwing a bunch of this out there, but it feels it feels like is it kind of like a ripper? Like if you were seeing this from like the back of a club or something, you'd be like, is it a ripper? But it's a short scaly, but it also looks like it's got like a modded Rickenbacker pickup on it. But then you know, People the scratch plates. PVT forty. People kept saying PVT forty. Uh, yeah, I can see. Yeah, yeah. I just my my back made me forget those PVs. <laughs> <laughs> this is ten pounds actually, mm. um, which is fairly weighty. It doesn't feel I, weighty, but I was told it yeah. was ten pounds. I like a heavy bass though too. Yeah, you know, like I know. Yeah, it. Yeah, it, it is, and it's very cool. But yeah, I also think it's got an, an element of the sort of moss right thing, just because of the reverse um, mm-hmm. horns, which I can't remember if I mentioned this, Naomi, when we talked about it before, but the reason it's got reverse horns is because he did it, he cut it backwards accidentally. That was, yeah, I think you did touch on that, which I love. I love <laughs> that from a craftsperson is, you know, just kind of running with it and, and yeah. continuing the project and and still, like, yeah, I don't know, from from such a small sort of maker as as Jay Douglas. I have a feeling um, if this is the sort of instrument he's putting out now that, I, you know, I would hope in a few years' time it would be like, oh yeah, I got a Jay Douglas for a steal back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah. his 10th base. It's serial JD010. So unless that, there is yeah. a zero, 0 um, it's it's the 10th one. So It's his number 10th. Yeah, there's, there's just tons of really nice kind of style nods that I like. I, yeah, I can kind of see why people would have mentioned uh, T40. I, it, it sort of, and it could just be kind of the the nice kind of natural finish and and again, the, the sort of pickup and stuff, but I sort of got reminded a little bit of like a TB2000 as well. Um, hmm. Yeah, just, but again, that's just sort of the you know, retro without being kind of, um, you know, clearly a fender nod and the, the natural yeah. finish. Yeah. Oh, yes. I know what you mean. Yeah. I yes. Was like, what, you mean, oh, right, the Travis Bean thing, right. Okay. I'm with you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a kind of, I don't know, maybe like a stoner rock sort of styling. Um, yeah, it, it feels know. very stoner rocky. Yeah. Which is, which is dope. Yeah. <laughs> well into the <laughs> I, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it is fitted with sixty five to one twenty, so it's uh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It good, it would good, indeed good. appear it, it is the man for the job. Yeah. <laughs> if if it if it had if it had a uh, one for the American listeners, aluminum neck, um, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That oh. would. It's the sort of instrument which would it its aesthetic would suit that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, that is that is the thing that keeps like. It keeps me up at night and gives me like sweats, like hovering over the buy now buttons on reverb and stuff. Is like I'm really, I'm really, really looking at like, like either like the old Kramers or like an EGC or, I mean, if I could, you know, Travis Bean or something. But oof, I mean, you can yeah. get those Kramers for a reasonable price. Yeah, Honestly, I, I know, see them going for like eight hundred pounds in the you know uk ones yeah there was there was one right by me a bit ago and i was just like but it am i going to use it because you know it's like i have many bases but nothing sounds as good as my stonefield for like what i actually want but then it's like i do want just maybe something a little different there's a couple tracks that i'm working on now that like i could really use like some of that like you know certainly vintage Kramer or Travis Bean, like, you know, metal-necked vibe. But, mm, you know. 
Hey ho. Yeah. We'll see. Exactly. Well, speaking of uh, kind of your recording setup, you uh, you've been getting back into your Focusrite ISA1 and your Boss yeah. CS2 compressor. You posted about those the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah, so the the Focusrite ISA1 I think is it's one of my favorite preamps. Like I have I have a few different ones that I use in like most of my recording either well, kind of now I'm mostly splitting it um between like uh, like my DI, which is a Sonic Nuance TDI, or the Focusrite ISA one, which I think for bassists especially is one of the best purchases you can make for recording, just in the way it's configured, in that you can run a mic signal and a DI signal at the same time to oh, you know right. two outputs. Yeah, so awesome. so you can. Yeah, and it's just like it gives you both both their fairly close to phase coherent, like in the sense that you may not need to actually do anything, certainly if you pan wide enough anyway. And yeah, it's basically like I, I, mostly you're at the moment I'm just running it just the straight DI tone on that. And it's just yeah, like the, the transformers in it are big, chunky transformers. I've had this for uh, more than a decade i think and i just kind of brought it back out and i was like oh let me just give that a shout and see see how that's going and it's, it's just i love it so much like it just sounds so big and it's like i remember the first time i played it like i i plugged in one of my jazz basses at the time and it was a which was like an early 80s jazz bass with probably at that time baseline quarter pounders in it and probably an audra my preamp that I was running active preamp with that one and just plugging into this the focus right just blew blew my ears away with this like how big and transparent and it felt like this massive cloud was lifted off of my sound and I was like oh oh that's what a real preamp sounds like right so, yeah. that's that's really because I I have I have one I have a focus right ISA one I got it for for vocals, and I don't think I've ever used it for bass. Oh, but it's I'm so kind of, good. I, I guess, sort of because it's a very simple, it's a very simple setup. I mean, when you're using it for vocals, obviously, that what is helpful is being able to, you know, to cut all the all the input gain and you know get mm. that, the the get a very low noise floor and get a very sort of clear signal. But for 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 bass, uh, I guess, what are you, what do you, because there's not a lot of control on this yeah. thing really other than that. Is it kind of, is it like just the gain control that's giving you all the tone then? Is it kind of using yeah, that? I or? mean, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's that and it's just the inline components of being able to, to hit the transformer and the transformer adds so much weight just um, right. to it. Like you can really hear the transformers in these um, I think, but yeah, it is, it is cause it has a couple different, um, impedances that you can select. So there's low and high. Um, and then, yeah, it's got, it's got game, but it's, it's more around, um, it's also a nice way cause it's got inserts on it. So that's how I usually run that, uh, the compressor I have, which is a, uh, a boss CS2 that I, that I use as an effect compressor. Mm. Um, and that is... That one was made in March of 1982. Um, oh, wow. And looks wow, like it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did go through a little um, boss serial number um, 
did it. You know, was that? Yeah, March, March 1982. Nice. And um, yeah, mostly just because it. I picked it because they both match. They're both blue. Um, but yeah, like it's yeah. So it's basically like I can run that on the inserts. So it's it's sort of in line. Um, but not, so it's it's basically just using the ISA one as its own as its own sort of like it's like the brain of my signal at the moment, which is usually pretty clear. And then and then once it gets it, you know, once I'm in the box, like I'll I'll chuck on whatever whatever other um, like plugins and stuff I use. But the there's something about like you know throwing on a 40 year old um compressor that just still sounds really good as well um to have it when i'm and again like i said like it's for effects it's for ridiculous harmonics it's for like string noise being as loud as everything else kind of (laughs) stuff is what i'm you know like that's how i'm using it but yeah yeah but i mean Otherwise, I know I'm talking a lot about this, but like the ISA one, it's the being able to like put the microphone input in, which is where you have, you know, like phantom power and your um, the high pass filter, which is great on it. But then being able to like plug in your DI, you can also, you know, on, on the front panel, it has like an amp out. So you just plug that. So into the DI out to your amp, you can run your inserts into anything else. And then um you know, being able to actually take the line outs of the the ISA one into your interface. So I basically have channel one is my microphone, which is what I'm using right now, and channel two is just my DI signal um, most of the time. And then um, if I'm splitting my signal again, I'll have like a TDI um, setting as well, and then I might hit another preamp uh, sometimes, which is my Alembic FX FX one. Sorry, I had to move the screen. I couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah, so that's sort of my my main kind of, you know, flavors yeah. of stuff depending on songs. Man, I am totally underutilizing the Focusrite ISA one. Um, I, I need to. Yeah. I need to change it's, that. I'm gonna have to pick your brains about this off air and make sure I'm yeah, setting yeah. it up right and getting the the best out of it. I think. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. you've definitely painted a, a more diverse picture of the ISA than I'd even had before. Yeah. So that is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if anyone from Focusrite's listening, uh, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> um, well, it, it, okay. So, speaking about like a, effect type things, I am uh, I have been really rediscovering the the Helix this week, and this you know this is why I, I didn't invite Matt on this week's podcast because you know I needed to <laughs> I needed to because you know like I I got a GT one thousand and then Matt was like oh the GT one calls out and I've got oh, I've got the 1,000, I really like it. And Matt's like, well, because you've been so great about how good the 1,000 is, you know, I'll see if I can f- get you a call. And now I'm like, oh, I really like the Helix again. So I didn't want to say it around Matt, you know, not yet. Mm. I want to slowly, you know, slowly ease him back into the fact that I'm rediscovering the Helix. But it's really good. Like someone on, on the group asked, you know, because I think a while ago I said I'd put up my all my patches for Helix and I never got around to it because I stopped using it. And I was like, I am going to get the Helix back out. And there'd been a, a a question Dave Lee had asked about getting kind of flea-esque compression tones out of his HX stomp. And so, you know, I've been messing around with it and I've already like built myself a bunch of patches, made new polymath rigs on there. And I feel like actually spending more time with it this time around or... I guess knowing the things I didn't like about it this time round has made me use the things I do like about it 
much better, um, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. But I, I'm finding it absolutely fantastic. And Naomi, you use the HX Stomp. And yes, I do. I, I kind of thought, well, you know, now I'm, I'm sort of using it again. I'm up to date. You know, I've got the 3.1 mm-hmm. thing. So I was kind of like, what what things are you using on the HX Stomp? What are you finding is your your go-to bits? What what are the bits that work best? I mean, I guess you're, you're going into real amps, so I, I presume you're just using the effects on this. Peterson strobe tuners are quite literally the best tuners in the world. Available in the form of the Stomp HD pedal, the Strobo Clip Clip-On, and even an iOS and Android-supported strobe tuning app. The Strobo Stomp HD comes in an incredibly high-quality standard effects pedal size chassis with an absolutely whopping LCD screen size and user-defined variable colour display, featuring over a hundred exclusive sweetened tunings designed to help correct inherent tuning issues exhibited by many instruments. And the guided tunings mode, my favourite, displays numeric string values instead of traditional note names, making for surefire, intuitive and rapid retuning to any number of open and alternative tunings. Peterson tuners make tuning accuracy simple and definite. It's probably the most important part of your pedal board, so why go for anything other than the best? Check them out at petersontuners.com. I am and I amn't because like, well, like a lot of people, I'm, I'm sort of beginning to get back in rooms with people now, which is of course awesome. But um, I've, I've kind of had to be doing a lot of, um, you know, learning, learning new tunes and trying to write and not just otherwise practicing kind of fully at home. So I've um, honestly, I've, I've sort of hit, hit a bit of a, um, hit a bit of a stride with, with one or two um, sort of patches that I've built and and really just run with those. Um, so with 3.1, my main um, fun exploration has been the the rat model that they've included. So the, is it the Ratatouille distortion? Um, I'm yeah, not sure. pa- partly out of memory because I, I had a rat at a time um, a few years back and sort of had my time with it and then just decided this sounds absolutely caustic. I need to have a more bass friendly sounding drive. <laughs> um so yeah I've I've kind of been rediscovering tones there because I'm I'm kind of working on a quite a punk sort of project currently. So it's helping me to um to really get stuck back into sort of dirt and drive tones. But yeah, I mean in terms of kind of the effects on board it's it's really been centered around fuzz, octave and um and the three band comp, the multi um, multi band comp. Is that because uh, because that's also what uh, our our mutual friend Joe Thorpe is is big on the the, the multi band compressor on there. Yes, um, he is. He gets amazing results from the from the multi band comp on there. It's it's um, yeah. I don't know. I I, I feel um, I'll be preaching to the choir of any existing sort of HX fans, but um, the I, I really think you can you can dial in incredible entire patches um just on the stomp without having to go to to anything uh you know before your interface or without having to necessarily oh, have your have your have your effects loop running i just mean because you know as as we all know the the stomp is diminutive in its in its footprint and quite a lot of people do quite rightly use it as part of a bigger board or um yeah as as i said with with quite a big kind of loop attached um but yeah, so yeah, my use my use has really been kind of the the onboard fuzzes. I'm a huge fan of the pocket fuzz. I've been trying I was to get. Ask, that's a new one, isn't it? The pocket fuzz. Is it new to three point one? Oh, it might have been three point I think so. it might have been three point mm. It was new for yeah. Um, I was a big fact, fan of the ram's head fuzz that came out with that one as well. I thought that was great. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was the... Was it the Ram? Yeah, I think it was the Ram's head in the pocket that I was playing with for quite a while. And then I've, I've really just been using the pocket kind of lately. I've been going for mega, mega squish tones. Um, the pocket and- was quite trebly. Like, I, I mean, I imagine, are you splitting your signal then? Running like, yes. your bass clean as well? Because, yeah, yeah, I guess I am, all, yeah. all bass players are going to be doing that with fuzzes. But I thought yeah. I found it quite bright. I thought sort of the Ram's head was a bit rounder. I also loved how the fuzz kind of really slows down. You could get some really almost tremolo effects with the with the ram's head with the ram's head you can yeah um i think what what landed me kind of using the pocket a bit more was as i said putting putting an octave actually before that um Ah. i was able to kind of pull it um yeah pull it back a little bit more into kind of sticky sticky sort of gated territory using using kind of compression either side um an eq either side but yeah maybe in in fact when you were saying there about uploading your patches maybe i can i can upload some for the um for the constructive criticism uh, of should, of um, yeah, I'd be I'd be very interested to see what what you do with the three band compressor with the multi band compressor because my criticism of multi band compression has always been the same. It's multi band compression makes it sound as if you're not compressing anything. It just corrects your playing, which isn't what I necessarily want from a compressor. Mm-hmm. I want a compressor to sound like an, a, a compressor. I want the string noise. I want the squash low end when you dig in. Like I want the the bad bits of a compressor, yeah, um, or the over the topness, net. and and I I could never really get that with the multi band. Is that do you just use it as sort of you know uh, uh, sugar rising rather than a kind of heavy sound? Then yeah, I'd say I use it as a rounder. Like if um, not that I kind of like to be compensating back in what's lost through through an effect's characteristics, but um, if I can. If I can use it to kind of make sure that my, you know, that my low end is is as present as I want it to be, then I'll kind of I'll whoosh the gain up in the lows and then not give that much attention or that much compression to the to the mids and the highs. Um, often I'll I'll use I'll, I'll, yeah I'll kind of have most of the compression working working in the lows and then maybe a little bit in the highs and kind of I let see. the mid let the mids sort of be a little bit cleaner. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I see. I guess it is nice having that control. I mean, yeah, it definitely feels like like multi-brain compressions when those things like I'm with you, Joe. Like, obviously, I like, talk about the CS2 and, like, what is what I use it for. But, like, multi-brain compression is really nice. Like, certainly if you're, like, the way I like to use it is, is like, as Damien was saying, was, like, letting the, the highs and mids kind of go through. Because it's usually, for me, like, with effects with, like, fuzzes or, like, octave ups and things like that. Like, that's, like, what I want is the excitement of that being a bit more wild. And, and, I, and having the choice to tame... Like, you know, like bring that back down if I wanted to, or to leave it be sort of wild, let those transients through. Like, that really makes it, yeah, it's, it's much more, it's just much more surgical and much more mm-hmm. like intentional tone wise. But yeah, it's, it's not, it's not an effect itself usually. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I took a while to get into the Helix compressors more than anything else. I found the drives like, really good to get back into once now that i'm using things properly and 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 giving myself a separate clean signal it means you can use a lot more of the guitar drives and certainly things like the um oh i've, I've completely forgotten the name of it now the it was a new one the Oh, yeah, that one. That one's great. I was seeing if it would come out of my mouth if I just sort of (laughs) tried to say it enough times, but it's not. So, uh, the the horizon. There we go. Welcome again again to the top tier Patreon, Aaron. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The horizon was new for three, Joe, wasn't it? Was it? uh, Yeah, I I think I'm because I did them all at once. So, I just. Oh, did you? I hadn't hadn't updated since 2.7 because that was the last time I used my Helix. Ah, okay. So, I just got a whole bunch of new stuff. um, Yeah. When I downloaded this one. But. The Horizon was fantastic. I'm using that as my big yeah. drive and the Air Apparent as my drive pedal that's always on, sort of just because it, you know, gives everything a little bit of growl. But when it came to compression, I struggled. Like, I was very excited by the fact that I found out on 2.9, the Rochester comp had been added, which was based on the Ashley CLX52, and it was created in conjunction with Billy Sheehan. So I was very excited about... Um, uh, you know about that because I love the way he uses compression, but I found the Rochester compressor on the Helix just a little bit too much, a little bit too squashy. Kind of in you know, which I guess that's what Billy Sheehan is, isn't it? It's like he he doesn't actually do a great job of a, being a bass player because he makes his tone so much like a lead instrument that it almost mm, mm-hmm. you know so and, and i kind of felt it did the same but also you know billy sheehan had done a couple of other things with the helix he'd he'd um he'd emulated his pierce preamps uh, you know a, a few versions before i think and, and i never really got on with them even though i, I i've loved pierce preamps when i've when i've tried them in real life i didn't really get on with them on this but you know and, and also i expected the teletronics la2a to be really good because i was like well, that's the compressor isn't it but again i just it didn't really do enough for me um on the on the helix and so i've, I've ended up using the deluxe compressor um which is which isn't based on anything it's just one of line six's own and the reason i'm using that is just because it's 
one of the only compressors on there that gives you actual the compression controls I want, which is to be able to set a low attack, you know, a low threshold, and uh, a really high ratio. That's you know that's those are the the bits of the compressor that I need, and and then yeah. make up mm-hmm. gain at the end. So you know, I found it to be very very useful. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, I'm 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 glad to hear you've you've sort of rejoined the. Mm. Um, the helix circle i'm 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 looking forward to exchanging interesting patches with 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 you and with everyone yeah. in the helix community i feel like it's a much more vibrant community than the sort of gt1000 uh, do you thing. yeah okay just just because i think more people have the helix and it's kind yeah. of been a more affordable unit that the hx stomp has certainly um yeah yeah, I, I sort of, I sort of initially delved into, um, into sort of the patch uploads and stuff like that, and then, well, to a lesser extent than yourself, I sort of went, went away only in that my use of it was far more focused and sort of, I guess, learning about a tiny corner of it. But I'm, I'm really keen to get back into it now and sort of, um, get stuck into how other people are using it. Yeah, yeah. It actually, yeah. And sorry, dear listener, if you don't have a Helix, but <laughs> my last, my, my last point on it that that. I really love is setting it up to use it with polymath is I'm I'm running I'm running my effects out into my Ashdown amp just as you know as standard so I'm just using it for the effects but of course I can re- create a little separate thread on the helix um to put a an amp and cab sim onto the XLR out so my DI for live rather than going into the amp head and not getting any form of cab simulation or anything you know you know how kind of brash di's can be straight off of an amp head when they're hitting the front of house i can now just run everything into a into a nice amp and cab simulation of an acoustic 360 which is great and uh, and have that come straight off the off the helix which i think is a really nice touch to be able to do a bit of both and blend them up yeah but, uh, absolutely yeah. that sort of yeah i love routing options like that that can kind of yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> I feel like I'm massively stating the obvious, but having sorry, a better point is having those routing options. I think is a really, really good um, feature. Yeah. Um, I do think the GT did a really good job of it as well. But um, yeah, awesome. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to seeing you play live again. To be honest, Joe, I, oh. I've only got to enjoy it twice. I think. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like anyone who's seen you play regularly has probably seen an absolute chameleon's lifespan of um rig and, and its changes <laughs> yeah i've never played the same thing i mean i only got the helix out like a, a couple of days after i finished building a new board and i was like oh I, this is a waste i of remember time. you send, sending the board around and being like oh i built a new board and it was like i should start the the countdown now because <laughs> it's just like <laughs> <laughs> I never want to redo my board more than when I finally go, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's ex- exactly yeah. what I did. Exactly what I did. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Now, I did uh, I did want to talk. I, I wanted to break a little bit of an embargo on uh, on this week's <gasps> podcast. I know, I know. <gasps> and, and after this, dear listen, we're going to take some questions. We had some amazing questions from the group. So this will be the last point before we do that. But um, this is kind of in conjunction with plugin of the week. Um, I'm breaking an embargo, but it's okay because it's an embargo that I set uh, because it is an Ashdown uh, embargo, an Ashdown release. And obviously, as, as dear listener, if, I'm, I, 
sure you know, but if you didn't, I'm I'm working as the marketing director of Ashdown Amplification at the moment. I think I'm doing a better job than Jay Cross of uh, not always talking about the the brand I work for. So you know, you can thank me for that, dear listener. But uh, uh, but yeah, so Ashdown are. Um, and this is this is actually great for me. This happens on this comes out on on Thursday, so you know I'm, I'm only just breaking the embargo. This is the first thing with Ashdown where I've actually got to be involved in the creation of this product, so I'm very excited about it. And best of all, it's a plugin, which of course is my new obsession. So, uh, um, so, uh, so, <laughs> very good side chat. Yes, yeah. side chat, Jess. <laughs> very good, uh, but um, yeah. The, uh, absolutely lost my stride now, but yes, no. this is the uh, this the, the this it, it happens to be a plugin, which of course is my my thing at the moment. Um, but Ashdown have teamed up with Two Notes Audio Engineering. Two Notes is something you know, a company that we know and and, and love. They're a fantastic company. Things like the Captor X, their load box, were just so incredibly important to to kind of making home recording good. And that was kind of one of the things that I was really keen on when I started with Ashdown. I was like, you know, but believe it or not, like big, big amps still doing really well. Don't know why, but, you know, there's people are still buying them. But I was like, it's never been so important for home recording to be good quality. So it'd be great for Ashdown to do something. So Ashdown teamed up with Two Notes, who, as well as their Captor X, Two Notes offer a, a plugin called Wall of Sound. I thoroughly recommend checking this uh, this plugin out, dear listener. Um, so you can uh, you can get like a, a thirty day evaluation license. I think they call it, where you get like like uh, I should explain what Wall of Sound is. It's a complete cabinet and room and mic simulation. So you would still possibly maybe run a separate plugin that was dealing with your amp head, or you might be using something like the Captor X or a load box with a with a valve head to run that straight into your software and then using the cab sims in Wall of Sound. Or, you know, you might be going straight in because there is, there's so much you can do with Wall of Sound that it really almost, unless you're going to be, unless you need specific effects for getting like good cleans, good gritty tones, Wall of Sound kind of does the, the whole thing. And Wall of Sound isn't just the cabinets, it's everything else, you know, as a, as kind of software platforms have been more, you bit been a bit more these days. You're choosing the microphone as well and you're choosing the room uh, that it goes in. So I think with the free version, you get like a couple of cabs and a, a handful of amps. Mm-hmm. But what Ashdown have done is teamed up and made a, a, a cabinet pack, a virtual cab pack of six of the Ashdown cabs. And there's, there's 10 cabs in total because some of them we're doing with and without tweeters but essentially you get like eight tens four tens single 15s two 12s you get the three tens with the the big horns on top which are super cool and uh and you can run all of those within two notes and then within the two notes software you can manipulate like power amp valves to drive them they've got like master passive tone mid shift contours you can boost your harmonics and destroy the speaker like cut the speaker to make it flap a little bit there's a very aggressive compressor you know and then on top of that you're choosing the type of room the distance of the mic the input and the output to kind of push and drive it and and two notes comes in two versions so you get like a arcade mode and some other another mode where it's even more detailed so the arcade modes for people like me who just want things to look good and have fun the other modes all sort of knobs and buttons but it's really good 
guys. It's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is is arcade mode the one where we literally have like a visual of of the fronts of all of the amps and the mouse turns the knobs type thing? Or uh, well, because it's yeah. So what you get is um, on arcade mode they have like a a rack in the middle which will have like all the different modules basically that are the things you control in two notes and then to yeah. either side you have the cabinet that you're using and you can scroll through the cabinet and you can see the microphone on it and you can see the room that it's in but that's kind of another cool thing about two notes is that you can have two so that's one thing i do a deep dive video that, that will come out on on thursday as well where i'm like being like okay well let's hear what like a fifth let's have a 15 inch speaker on this side and a 210 on this side let's roll off all the tone on the 15 and have like a vintage contour so it's all low mids and we'll do the opposite Mm -hmm. on the on the 210 and kind of blend those up and sort of find you know find the perfect tone and and it is i love the idea of kind of blending between those two cabs and really fine-tuning your sound weirdly enough the the sound i liked the most was a 310 and a 212 which you would never put together (laughs) Uh, I, you wouldn't. Yeah. I would. That sounds delightful. <laughs> I mean, the the thing that I really like is I think you can, um, when I had to play with this a while ago, like I think you can stack like, it's like almost two dozen cabs or something. You can have like total, like at one time, which basically, I mean, with your new, you know, like stoner metal bass, like <laughs> basically it just means you can actually just have your own stoner metal band. With like all the all the two fifteens you could you could ever want, yeah, just like all in one one wall of sound that you could just take with you anywhere you go. Exactly, that sounds great, perfect, exactly. But but yes, dear listener, do check it out and check out wall of sound. Like you know, I'm I'm not just I, I feel I feel like I'm I'm shilling the Ashdown stuff here, but it's not just about the Ashdown cab pack. It's well, definitely the let best me cab. Do it. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let us do. let us do oh, it yeah, for you, Joe. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. So, also, dear listener, uh, what would be great is if everyone goes as soon as they listen to this so that Ashdown knows that Joe broke the embargo <laughs> of, uh, on this stuff. So do it immediately. Like, yeah. like pause, go to Ashdown to check it out. <laughs> oh, dear. What have I done? Yeah, but- yeah I, was saying, I was saying to Joe before we started recording that from, from an industry perspective, it's like, I'm so envious of you being the master of your own embargo. <laughs> it seems a rare treat. Yeah, but then me setting the embargo the day after the podcast comes out and realising <laughs> I want to talk about it on the podcast was <laughs> not my smartest moment. <laughs> but, um, hey, hey, you know, uh, or it just, it, it lets you feel like a bad boy for a bit, you know, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's always good. We, we haven't been able to play shows or do things. Yeah, so you, you, like... you deserve to feel like a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah thanks, Joe, thanks, you're, you're our bad boy. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Jay never Our lets terrible, me break embargoes. Terrible so boy. What an <laughs> awful boy. You're a little naughty buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should you. we should uh, stop from yeah. saying any more so everything can be kept family. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, Ward of Sound is actually fantastic. You know, for for guitarists as well. Yeah, appreciate this is a bass special, but it is it's a an absolutely fantastic platform and the cabinets you get on there are great it works out something i have no idea i assume there's a bundle price for all the cabs but it works mm. out at like eight euros 33 yeah foot per cab that you buy so even when i was messing around it was like there was a two, there was a mesa boogie 215 cab and it's it was it's it's eight quid so i'm like oh yeah i'll, I'll get yeah. that as well yeah 
and and you know there were so many guitar cabs that you can get so many guitar cabs like the the bass the ashtown bass set is only maybe like the the second or maybe third brand to actually offer some bass stuff on there so it's it's way more limited than bass is way more limited than anything else obviously that's the same across mm. across the board in this industry but um but yeah, for for guitar stuff as well, there's just such a, a wide a wide choice of stuff, and I I thought the ability to shape your tone was excellent and really well laid out. So even though it's complex, it's not confusing. Um, mm. You know, yeah. I, it's sort of rem- it, sorry. Go on, no, go. no, go go. I was just going to say the, the one thing or the first thing it reminded me of was, um, and I'm I am ashamed to say I'm not that certain of their their current sort of user interface but i don't know did you guys use reason years ago they had this yeah super literal um interface always where if you, if you hit the tab key you could literally see the back of each each synth yeah. on the rack as you use it and each effect on the rack and um instantly the i think it's the arcade view joe um really really reminded me of that what it what it feels like to me and you know i'd be the first to say i'm not uh, you know, I'm not a huge user of plugins currently, but I have been over the years. It comes across like a super tool that's been modded. It's almost like someone's got a cheat code that you can put all of these mm. amps in, like in in your chain in a row, and and obviously create the the wall. But um, yeah, it's awesome. It's just the the level of control is what's really impressive to me. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's great. I've, I I know you have to. I, I assume you have to pay for it. I don't. I don't know. So you mean before paying for the cabs? Oh yeah, because it says yeah. you get a you get some sort of trial license. So I'm I'm not sure, yeah. dear oh, listener, sure, okay. how much it costs. Um, but it is very very good. I don't think anything's really coming close to it with the sort of level of editability. If mm. that's a I word. mean, and the other thing is like certainly like if if you already have two notes stuff like you already have you know some of some of their stuff it 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 just means you don't have to get into like someone else's like big plug-in suite like it's not like an ik multimedia thing where you you know like it's yeah it's a, it's a you know platform more than it is like anything else like their t-racks and things like that which are great or and the amplitude like also great but you know but it, it, yeah i am i'm really into this and i i really honestly like i really like the idea like we talked about it on a, a show a couple a couple shows ago where about that the chandler amp that i use where i just yeah. use the cab part of it like the fact that you could do that here and have so many different cab options not really not necessarily needing to use a head or anything like that like it's just it sounds so good for recording or for just having a different flavor of something, even if you're running it and it's just minute differences. Like that's why we have four different overdrive pedals, Yeah, you know, like on our board. It's just, it's just being able to swap yet another piece of your chain is just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I completely agree. Now we do have, we do have some great questions on our facebook group facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum so we should uh we, we we should take some of those and answer those questions carl harris first up says i've been thinking about getting a p bass style guitar to complement my stingray i love the look of the charvel sandy mass basses um but they have an active three band eq what are your thoughts on active eqs functionally or tonally 
are there any disadvantages to them if you're going for a classic P-bass tone? Should I just get a Fender? Um, Naomi, what do you think? Hmm. Well, as a proud owner of a of a P-bass special from around eight or nine years ago at this point, um, I am all for the active camp. I think um, it, it can be a little bit of a a vicious circle, I think, having tonal controls controls at multiple points in your chain. Mm. Um, personally, I re- I do really like having the flexibility of having them on the bass um, itself before I, before I get to any pedals, before I get to my amp. Um, I know a lot of people prefer sort of the straightforwardness um, and the tone of passive, um, but for me... I mean, yeah, like I've I've one active bass out of eight basses that I own, sure, but I'm I'm a huge fan of it and I'm in I would be in the yes camp for um more tonal control at the instrument, um and potentially more aggressiveness in your tone, higher output. Um yeah, that that would be me in a in a in a short answer. I see. J D Uh is so th- yeah, with with active, like I, I don't really think there's a right answer because all active, all active electronics are is just bringing the first gain stage from your instrument to the instrument itself versus like a pedal or an amp. Um, I, m- and that being said, like most of my bases now are passive, but I also do have an active bass which has a ton of flexibility, and I, I quite like active electronics in and of themselves. Um, I almost always use passive, um, but I really like the idea. Like I've, ha- I've had active basses for years and years and years. And, you know, like sometimes it's nice to give it a little bit of bass boost. Um, and a lot of times it just depends on what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything, basically, I don't think there's anything inherently good or wrong about like active electronics in that they bring more flexibility. Very rarely do they make things sound worse unless you have just like certainly now where it's like you almost always can run passive as well. Um, But it's, yeah, I just, I really, I really like having them. I don't really do a lot of boosting. If anything, I'll, I'll cut a lot, but a good quality preamp, you know, like you could get from, um, they're like, well, Trickfish has a great one now, or the Nordstrands, or some of those that you kind of see are are so good um, to have to have on the bass that just it just brings out the character of the bass itself, like a good passive signal would as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I I completely agree. You know, I I think yeah, the the versatility that um uh the Carl's going to get with the with the sandy mass. It's PJ as well, those sandy mass. So, so oh, yeah, I, yeah I, you just you kind of you just get a slice of everything. So, if the only thing you want is a is a P bass tone, then then maybe yeah, you know, an active an active P bass isn't going to sound like a quite like a P bass. So, if what you want is that mm, classic mm-hmm. P bass tone, yes, there is nothing like a passive fender p bass um definitely get that but you know as carl says he's thinking about getting getting this to complement his stingray i think if you've not played you know if if you're very used to a stingray then a passive precision bass is going to be so different even even though i guess they're you know they're similar in their kind of 
well, their, their, who designed them and and kind of their sure. their kind of look and and feel, um, and they're both quite traditional. They are still a million miles apart tonally, and I think if you're looking, if if you're used to the kind of the aggression that you'll get that you're getting on a stingray, kind of as well as just the ability to shape off of the you know the controls there, then something something like this this the Charvel is going to be a great shout. Plus, to be honest, just having PJ because I think yeah. moving yeah. from a stingray to a to a precision, I think you'd miss that bridge that you'd miss the presence of a of a bridge pickup mm-hmm. um, too much to you know just not have it. But uh, they do look cool, incredibly eighties. Yeah, I mean, absolutely I mean, not for me, but great. they're they're cool. I are, mean, are you not into them visually, Joe? In a no, no, I I don't think so. No, I don't think they've. But you don't quite, even like the lime green metallic. Yeah, I don't think they've quite got it right for me. I, yeah. It's too much of a blend of um, like all the baked stuff makes them very modern, mm-hmm. and then the sort of finish and the fact that the pickups are cream is kind of making them eighties. Yeah. It's 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 like they haven't quite committed to either end of that spectrum if it was if they were going 80s and it had a it would have a maple neck with black block inlays but a black headstock or something like that you know and it is sure yeah and and then i'd be like yeah this is a cool 80s instrument but um with the modern neck i kind of i just want it to be in a nice uh baked ash finish or something like that Mm, like mm -hmm. something just to make it look tasteful and uh premium whereas they've sort of taken a premium instrument and given them cheap looking finishes it's a bit of a weird yeah yeah, that's that's fair i I kind of feel like they've shot in multiple shot in multiple directions with these um Mm. yeah like a, a bit like you're saying joe i feel like the the cream pickup covers interesting choice the lime green metallic interesting choice the baked, the baked neck, interesting <laughs> choice, and plonk them all together, and it's like, oh, that's that's, I yeah. I, I see this is what they have done. I, <laughs> I I feel like maybe my reason for being really into them visually is that it's sort of this um, so wrong, it's right sort of yeah. combination. <laughs> yeah. It's a cult classic, exactly. As I say, one yeah. that you'll look back on in years and be like, those were crazy, but I sort of loved them. Yeah, I mean, I guess I hadn't really paid too much attention to the headstocks until now, but it's like, mm. if you just saw the headstocks, they they would look like one of the, like, they look like a high-end, like, custom shoppy Fender or or like a Sadowski or any anyone yeah. that does like super Fenders, you know, and then, and then you look at the body and you're like, okay, is that like, those pickups definitely look like early 80s DiMarzios mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And then the 32 knobs that are on there. I mean, that being said, I have loads of knobs on my bases. But like the the amount of knobs, you're like, okay, so this is definitely like late 80s, early 90s amount of active electronics. And then you look at everything else, you're like, but it looks like it should be a like a just a regular, you know, like jazz bassy PJ thing from like 80. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like it's definitely like so many directions. Yeah. Also, if they just had like a black one, yeah, or like the <laughs> right. like if there was like a, I, this a like you're saying. I was saying. wondering is there, there isn't a black one, is there? No. There's a yeah. there's a strangely there's a really classy dark green metallic. Yeah, that's the closest that they come to a classy finish. Is the, but even but even it has gold hardware. It has gold hardware. Yeah, is <laughs> and again weird. Yeah, like it. I mean, it's definitely like. 
And that one you could see like if it if it had didn't have the cream pickup covers, you'd be like, oh, this is just like a really classy like kind of like a cool like. 80s fusiony bass yeah, where you'd see right. that and you're like oh that's just going to be great sounding amazing bass but like yeah the cream pickup covers kind of make it feel like oh they're they're definitely going for something with you know spandex but mm. there's not really yeah it's, it's it's such a nice it's it's a really nice coat and also the lime green like there's a few different photos of it where it just like it does look great in some photos so because it's it's you know like metal flake and it's like there's some some of the images i've seen like it doesn't really come off as metal flake um that much but i think i mean i think these would be great and like I'd abs- I mean, all this being said, I'd absolutely take one. I'd paint the oh, <laughs> front of the head headstock black, and you know, like I I probably refin everything black anyway. <laughs> but like, it'd be great. I get, I get black pickup covers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? No, I would go. Cre- I've I've also been like, along with my like um, aluminium necks and everything, I've been kind of wanting like some sort of cream cover pickup, you know, like ones that like definitely just look like old ivory. In a sense, I mean, one, ivory's gross, but two, like, being able to look at, like, some, like, worn, forever dirty-looking cream pick, like, I just, I want something like that on, like, a base. Like, I want, like, I do want, like, an, an early 80s Kramer or mm. something. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of those, the cream pickup covers. Um, they're definitely, I've been thinking about changing I mean, one over recently on one of my bases. I think I should. They feel very nowy, like in the sense that like there's so many I mean, to be fair, I live in Peckham, so it's like like everything is like like early nineties, like hip is like cool again, um, which is great because it's the last time I actually went shopping. Um but it's like JK, it's not, but it's a funny gag. Uh but you know, it's like it just feels like there's like all this vibe again. I'm just being like, Oh yeah, that kind of I kinda want something like that. Um I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, these are a great shout. They are. They are very cool. Very cool. We we we've. It's nearly the end of the podcast, so we're going to do one more question, <laughs> so that we get two, and then we're going to. There are so many questions. We're going to go over to the Patreon episode, and we're going to answer the rest of them there. But uh, next one up, Dave Lee, second mention on on this week's podcast, but it's the next question I've come to. So, uh, Dave Lee said, "To be honest, I've lost my way when it comes to what a good bass tone." Sounds like. How did you all land on your sound? Um, mm. JD. That's a good. Oh, well, I was, I was just making a sound because that's a good question. <laughs> I wasn't meaning to go first. Um, so my, my sound, uh, which is interesting, uh, came about a while ago, like when I had like the custom base that I initially had um, built for me. And I remember chatting with the builder and, and I was kind of thinking about what I really wanted the bass to sound like was if a an upright was playing arco and a tuba was playing in unison. So I was like, that was <laughs> the sound I had in my hand. Yeah. Awesome. So it was like it's like this really like I really wanted that like the bloom that you would get from both of those things but the, with the the string sound from the on the from the bow and then just like that the like kind of throatiness and like the attack of the brass like you would get from a tuba like i wanted those uh, the sound of those two things um at the same time and then i wanted something tonally um and this is more about the c- construction and wood choices that um, would allow me to play chords in a lower register and have both notes still be um 
audible in a sense because a lot of times with bass you know you start anything that's not as wide as a fifth below like just like an open a start you start to lose it and just kind of like the there's too much like batting against each other yeah frequency wise so that's what i really yeah thank you that's really what i wanted and then which is so i had this bass built from that idea up and then um What's been great is I've also had, and I've had like a couple different flavors of things, but it was, it was really taking that and then just finding and applying that to whatever else I try, which is a lot of times like, like that's not a Fender thing necessarily. Like there's a P bass tone, which is like boomy, but open, but sits really well in the mix, but doesn't have like shockingly low lows and like shocking high highs, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it's just like this, this nice, comfortable, bedrock and like i wanted kind of more than that on both ends of that spectrum so it's like kind of kind of applying that and like that's really how the the that's what i wanted the starting point of my tone to be and then the rest of my tone is everything you know between you know from the output jack to the speaker so (laughs) yeah i see i see it's i mean it sounds like that's kind of uh it sounds like the whole idea of your ta- tone would be kind of alembic-y. You want that like super fidelity, that that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. From at, at the time when I was thinking about it, I I was an alembic artist, so it's. Um, but the th- the thing with alembics that I really like is that they have that they have like a piano like quality in that everything is just so rich always across the spectrum. It's like when you're playing a piano and you hit like a low note, it's just, it's so clear and audible and you can hear every, every bit of overtone and everything like that. So, yeah. So I guess that if, if, if that's like the definition of fidelity, then yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of thing, where it's just like, you can hear everything that's happening at all times, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Um, Naomi, what about you? Uh, how yeah? How did you land on your sound? I wouldn't say land so much as fall really ungracefully <laughs> around several sounds, which have yet to combine to be to become one sound. Um, I think a huge thing for me has been um, sort of discovering and discovering and playing and then choosing in my purchases uh, particular just particular tone woods. Um, I think for a very long time, I you know I literally had a, a Mexican jazz bass and and worked worked really haphazardly through trial and error through you know many many drive pedals and playing in the bands I was in. It was sort of good training ground for kind of um, just being aware of frequencies and um, and you know occupying kind of bandwidth in in a band sort of sonic. Um, I suppose sonic presentation. You know, like uh-huh. I, I, I learned quite early that I, that I simply wouldn't be heard if I was trying to exist in, in, in the same sort of tonal range as, as the guitar and the band I was in. So uh, that kind of forced me to sort of mess around and have pedals like the aggro, which was kind of the huge part of my rig in, in sort of the first heavier band that I played played in, um, and then. Beyond that, I sort of realized, you know, it, there's a difference between kind of liking a tone then and it being the right tone for the music that you're playing. Um, 
to to bring up the name that I feel we should make a drinking game out of when I discovered Reverend Bases then. <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> When I discovered Rev, or when I played a Reverend for the first time, you know, by chance when I was um, on on tour in Canada, I hadn't played a Karina instrument before, and it it really really struck me that there was just something different about this, and um, that's kind of something I've never looked back since. Like I'll I'll always grab the bass that has a a, a different or an unusual wood. Um, if if I see one in a store, because I'll be curious as to as to how it sounds. And to me, that is the absolute number one building block for my tone. Really? Um, I, I, well, yeah. I mean, like I love how I love how a, a body wood will will affect um, will affect aspects of my favorite pedal. How it'll you know how it'll be more present or how it'll have a beautiful sort of woolly low mid. Um, I've always loved in acoustic instruments how mahogany sounds versus kind of spruce. Um, when I when I tried and should have bought the was it the nineteen eighty nine PV Foundation bass that I spoke about I think oh, a few episodes yes. ago, it had a maple body and it sounded absolutely crazy and it it sounded so out there I I sort of struggled to think of an immediate uses in projects I was in but uh, looking back now that would be something I'd pick up in a heartbeat just to have you know another another wood on hand um, and then. You know, beyond that, the arguably the kind of nicest sounding bass I have now, which is my current modded Bronco. Um, it's a, a super cheap, what I completely forget the name of it, but it's a, um, it's it's kind of the, the cheapest sort of version of, of Alder that, that can be got, mm. I think. Um, and I and it sounds fantastic. I can't remember what it's called. No, it, yeah, it, it's... It's not Indian Laurel, or is that the fingerboard wood that they're using these days? That's okay. the that's the fingerboard yeah, wood the Fender mo- right. moved to. Um, no, it's it's something like the word Sitka, uh, but it's it's obviously not Sitka. Um, oh. Yeah, if it if it if it comes back to me, I'll I'll mention it. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm 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 uh, obviously dodging a lot of kind of pedal and amp talk in my answer, but it's it's. I don't know. It's it's something that's that has sort of become fundamental to me in in finding my sound. I feel like if you find a bass that you love and its controls and the combination of controls and pickup suit your needs, I think that's just an absolute winner. To me, the the really wide sweep on my Reverend Mercalli, um, both the pickup sweep and then the tonal sweep on its EQ are um, are just fantastic to me. And have have been a really really good tool in sort of session work where I've had to be having that versatility sort of thing. Yeah, and having to hop between a ton of styles maybe if I'm playing a cover set. Um, so yeah, bases with kind of more controls, but with a wood that I already know I love mm. will well and and will deliver kind of characteristics I want um, is is paramount for me. I see. I see. Very cool. Okay. Well, that I mean that actually pretty much brings us up to time for this week's uh, regular episode of Victorinet's podcast. So, like I said, we're going to continue over on our Patreon. We're going to take a bunch more questions from the Facebook group. Um, might talk about this new Ampeg rocket uh, combos. Actually, we might we might start with that. So, uh, so we'll see. So you can join us over there. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a, a dollar a month. And at the dollar tier, you'll get this episode ad-free and early every week. At $5, you'll get access to the Patreon special episodes and our entire back catalogue. And $10 will get you the lot plus. I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. You can find us on all your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nads group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episodes.
episode discussion. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Bass Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Slap into bass band. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>